Am I on? We're good. Beautiful. Um, I learned something from the old Google machine this week. Uh, so there's two essential parts to a foundation of a slab building. So this is like a concrete slab building, okay? Um, I'm no engineer. Learned this from Google. Verified it with an actual architect, okay? So just run with me. I thought this a building like this was just you pour a slab of concrete. It's good. Not true. Let's put up this thing. So there's what the actual foundation. These are called foundation foundation walls. And so my guess on this one, since it's, um, I don't know, it's long. The building's long, that it's on each side. I don't know. You can dig it up and find out if you want. Please don't. But, um, but the foundational walls, they go down in there to anchor it. And that's considered the foundation. But then you have the slab, which is what you see right here, which you walked in on, on today. But that's also the foundation. But that's what we think of as the foundation. But that's actually the foundation. So learning a little about uh, engineering, about architecture. Um, what's this have to do with anything? It doesn't. I just thought I'd share it with you. Um, I'm kidding. It, it does tie in. So uh, in our scripture today, and we're in 2 Timothy 2, if you want to start flipping that way. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26 is what we'll go through today. But we actually see two foundations for a follower of Christ. But what appears to be two foundations is actually just one. But both are absolutely critical. And so um, let me tell you what they are. So next slide. Security is like the foundational walls. Our security in Christ because of what Christ has done for us. But the slab, so to speak, is purity or growing in holiness, growing in Christ-likeness. So security in Christ, that foundation actually produces purity in our lives, but actually both are foundational to following Jesus. It's not just one or the other. So let me show you what I mean. I want to look at verse 19 first, and then we'll go back and read the whole passage. But 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription. So there we go. He's even saying God's solid foundation. Here it is. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. So two main parts of the foundation of a follower of Christ. You have security. The Lord knows who are his. That is the foundational wall. But then purity, turning away from wickedness, is the concrete slab, so to speak. So both foundational, both essential, but it starts with security. And in talking with an architect this week, um, the this concrete slab you see, you go back for a second. The slab actually isn't even considered the foundation. That's, that's your foundation there. So our security in Christ is where it all begins that the Lord knows those who are his. And so we've actually seen this already in our short time in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul talks about his unashamed security he has in Christ. And in 2 Timothy 2.8, he tells them, hey, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. That's your foundation. That's your security. And then this week, we're going to see in 2 Timothy 2.14, hey, remind them of these things. What things? That Jesus is risen from the dead. And then 2 Timothy 2.13, we ended with last week, says, His faithfulness, even when we are faithless, is what anchors us. So even when we are faithless or doubting, His faithfulness stays true and stays steady. 
So real security actually produces purity, and both are foundational. It is grace through faith, God's work and man's response, but it starts with God's grace giving us that faith. So let's look at the whole passage, and I think you'll see this a lot more clearly. So let's read 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Verse 23, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So there's our passage for today. Now this call to purity is found clearly in verses 20 to 22. He says, in a large house there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable, some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself, there it is, purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Purity. What's purity? Well, purity is being free from anything that dishonors God both inside and out. Being free from anything that dishonors God from the inside out. Where do we get that? Verse 21, he says, if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable. So it means we're free from anything that dishonors God. In verse 22, from a pure heart. So you see, it's both inside and out. It's not just outwardly looking nice and shiny. The Pharisees in Jesus' age were great at that, clean the outside of the cup, but inside they were full of filth. And so the call is for us not to just look good to others on the outside, but that our, our thoughts, our motives, our intentions even, our hearts would be pure. Now there's an acknowledgement in these verses, in verses 20 and 21, that people will have varying degrees of purity within a church family. No one's going to reach 100% purity either. That's impossible. However, the motivation for pursuing purity is security, as we already talked about. Because verse 19, we know we are his. So we live like we are his. And we pursue purity. We pursue holiness. 
Also in verse 21, it gives, it gives us an even, even more motivation to pursue purity. It says, we will be special instruments, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You want to be used by God in a unique useful way, a way that gets you out of bed in the morning where you're like, I am going to be used by God by being faithful to him, then pursue purity. I mean, who, who doesn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want that? We get to be used by the King of kings and Lord of lords. God uses me. God uses us. Yes, that's what he's saying here. Verse 22, it says, flee from youthful passions. It isn't just a call here to flee from sexual immorality, although it includes, includes that. It says flee from youthful passions, things that normally sideline youth from being used by God. And I don't need to sit here and list out those types of things. You know what I'm, we're talking about. But flee from those things. And don't put up with them. Get, a, get a, as far away as possible. If the line's here, don't get as close as you can. Run the opposite direction, in fact. But it also says, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So he's saying, don't do it alone. It's not a solo project becoming more pure and more holy. We need to band together. This is why we have things here like connection groups and Bible studies. Those things, I would even say, are more important than what we're doing here on Sunday morning. This, that's really where purity grows and blossoms is in relationship with one another intentional relationship with one another following after Jesus and so I want to delve into um, what I'm going to call the the walls of the house you know we have our foundation the walls of purity of the house of a follower of Jesus but remember the main thing is to pursue is to remember that we have security in Christ and let that motivate us to pursue holiness so two things quick before we get into these walls of purity so one this letter was written directly to Timothy who was a pastor and this part is actually directed mainly to Timothy so who does this apply most to in this room today me an elder sitting here in this room however we saw a couple weeks ago, 2 Timothy 2.2 calls us to entrust others who will entrust others. To make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So, these are essential for all of us. Second thing I want to point out about these walls of purity. This is not a comprehensive list of purity or of holiness. There are a lot more things we find in scripture that holiness entails. These are just the, one Paul, the ones that Paul chooses to highlight here. So let me show you this in these verses. So we have diligence is one wall, sound teaching, not quarrelsome, and gentleness. So I'm going to show you this throughout this passage, but I think it's interesting. Hopefully you can see those colors well enough. Um, but in both of these verses, in, in both 15 and 16 and 24 and 25, we see diligent, sound teaching, and not quarrelsome. It's like he just repeats himself in a different way. And then we see three times, gentle, 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 patient, gentle, right there. So it's almost like God is just taking a highlight marker during this passage and going, hey, these things are really, really important. So much so that I said them twice. 
and then he, he expands on them in the verses around them. So let's go into these one by one. The first wall of purity is diligence. Diligence. Verse 15, it says it, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Diligence means working hard. But it's much more than just working hard. It's, it's passionately working hard. It's giving anything and everything you have, regardless of the cost, to work hard at being Christ-like. And this theme is actually woven throughout 2 Timothy and actually throughout a lot of Scripture. But look at what really drives diligence. It says to present yourself to God as one approved. You work hard for God, not for people. Regardless of if other people are around, you go, I'm going to work for God today. I'm going to work before, for an audience of one. And it says a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. You have no shame because you know you gave it everything you had for him. So let me paint a picture for you. Imagine your boss comes to you and your coworkers and says, hey, you know what? In two months from today, one person is going to get a bump in their salary. One person's getting a raise. Just one. So work hard. So you, you work hard. You go above and beyond. You leave it all out on the line. There's not a thing you could have done more or differently, and you just go for it those two months. And at the end of those two months, you may or may not get that raise, but you can hit your pillow at night knowing you gave 100%. See, this is the type of diligence that God deserves from us, to do whatever we can to honor him today, and then we can have no shame. And what's cool is this is what we're called to, not out of fear of getting punished because the raise is guaranteed, so to speak. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. So it's actually out of a foundation of security in Christ that we work hard for him. Diligence. The second wall of purity is sound teaching. Verse 15, he says, correctly teaching the word of truth. This is so incredibly important for Timothy as a pastor in Ephesus because he's literally training up future pastors. And, and this is the beginning of the church. So he's, he is laying a foundation of sound teaching that will be the foundation for centuries to come to this day. So there's weight on him. If Timothy doesn't teach soundly, it's going to get diluted down the line. So what's he supposed to teach, though, that says the word of truth? What's that? He's supposed to be teaching God's words. And so for Timothy, that would be Paul's letters. Paul himself, an apostle, a mouthpiece from God. We, we already went through 1 Timothy, and he would have had that letter from Paul. So 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, he would have had access to some of the Old Testament, some of the Gospels at this point in time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, other teachings by Paul. And for us, it's the same as Timothy, but just more complete because we have the whole counsel of God, all of God's Word, the Bible in front of us, the Word of Truth. Now let me just say for a second that you can be really sure that the Bible is the truth. And there's lots and lots of evidence for this, but let me just give you a really convincing one. So there's 66 books in the Bible, and it's written by 
40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years with perfect unity and harmony of theme. God's word can be trusted. So this is what we teach. This is what we entrust to others. But sound teaching is not just dependent on the source of truth. We need to teach it, it says, correctly. See, people take scriptures and twist them to mean what they want them to mean all the time and claim it as teaching the Bible. Let me give you an example of how you could do this with this passage in kind of a silly way. So um, you could say, hey, you know what? It says here that Hymenaeus and Philetus are false teachers. So anyone named Hymenaeus or Philetus is going to be a false teacher. So just watch out for anyone named that name. Don't name your kids that. It's a bad deal. They're going to be false teachers. That would be a terrible teaching of the Bible. It wouldn't actually be teaching the Bible, right? A correct way to do it would be to take into account the historical context. Not everything applies directly to us. And take the principle that's timeless. So you could say instead, hey, let's watch out for false teachers like Hymenaeus and Philetus. There would be a correct teaching from this scripture. Sound teaching needs to be correct. It needs to be proper. It needs to be from the Bible and interpreted and applied correctly. Verses 17 and 18, let's talk more about this false teaching here. It says their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Sound teaching doesn't claim things that contradict Scripture. Sorry, I said that wrong. Sound teaching does claim... No, I said it right. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little confused. Let's get into Hymenaeus and Philetus. Let's talk about them. So their teaching was this, that the resurrection of the dead already happened. So not the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that clearly already happened. Their teaching was that believers had already, whether they were dead or alive right now, they were given new bodies and are now with Christ. Perfect bodies, they're in the presence of Jesus in their perfect heavenly state. How could that be though? They were, they were still on the earth with broken, sin-stained stained bodies. Well, here was, the, here was the false teaching. Here's what theologians call it today. It's, it's called acute realized eschatology. Here's what that means. The future is now. This is what they taught. The future is now. Your body and your soul is saved forever by Christ. So do whatever you want with your body now. Just live it up. Sin up a storm who cares? Purity, you don't need that. It's already yours. It's, all, it's like it's already happened. You are completely perfect. You have a brand new body, so just do whatever you want. Live like the devil. Go for it. You see how dangerous a teaching like that would be? Now, some good tests for us today to test any teaching is just to ask ourselves, hey, does it line up with what the rest of Scripture teaches? Another test, is it, is it a new teaching that no one's ever taught in the 2,000 years of Christianity? should have big red flags if people are claiming to have a new teaching. It's very arrogant, in fact, 
that, that you somehow found some new teaching in Scripture that no one's seen in the last 2,000 years. Probably some monkeying with the truth there going on. Now you might be thinking, cool, don't screw it up then, Matt. And you're right, right? There, there is quite a weight on me or, or Ryan Palmer or Tim Ellis, whoever's up here preaching, for sure. And that weighs on us, but, but just wait a second. You have influence on other people. You are teaching people all the time. If you're doing what Scripture calls us to, and you're making disciples who make disciples, if you are training up Timothys like Paul did with Timothy, then this should weigh on you as well. Are you teaching the Bible, and are you doing it correctly? Are you being careful to teach the truth and not lead people astray? Now, two simple ways to take it kind of to the next step. If you want to grow in being a sound teacher yourself, whether that's formally or informally, well, let me say the first one, then I'll give you the two. The first one almost should go without saying, but it's worth saying, is read your Bible more, right? You, you want to be a more sound teacher? Read it more. Have it go flow through you more. But let me, let me not be so... so um, I don't know, that was kind of obvious. Let's, let's be a little more um, specific. So, one, you could read or study the Bible with others who know it better than you. I mean, that's a great way to learn how to study the Bible and interpret it correctly. Find someone who's done it longer than you and just say, hey, can we meet up? Can we walk through a book of the Bible together? And I, I just want to learn from you how to do this. That'd be great. Second way. Just be super careful about what Bible teaching you let yourself and others listen to or take in. You see, not every pastor on podcasts or YouTube or on TV is always teaching the truth, even if they claim to be. And I'd be happy to help you navigate that if you'd like. And if you're, and it, I, I mean that, even that, no. People hardly ever take me up on that when I'm preaching. I'm like, I'd love to help you with that. So if you even want to just send me an email or text and be like, hey, could you just give me a list of trusted good preachers or, or tell me who to avoid or whatever, I'd be happy to do that. Or just ask me, you know, is it, what do you think of this person? Have you heard anything questionable from them? I'd be happy to help you out with that. So sound teaching. The third wall of purity is that you're not quarrelsome. Verse 14 Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Now the order here is instructive. It says, remind them of these things. Of what things? Well, the previous verses talk about how Jesus is risen from the dead. You need to remember that Christ is risen. So he says the most important thing, the gospel, then... He says the next most important thing for Timothy and Ephesus, not to fight about words. Now, if I was writing this letter, I would have picked like 10 different things before saying, hey, don't fight with one another, I think, to focus on. But clearly the Ephesians, and maybe even Timothy himself, had a huge problem with quarreling over dumb stuff. And so that's why Paul starts there. But before we start coming down hard on the Ephesians, isn't this us? People, isn't this people in general? I mean, our culture is borderline obsessed with quarreling over dumb stuff. There are shows upon shows in every genre that you can find on TV, whether it's sports, talk, 
talk shows, you name it. You, there's whole shows that are just people debating one another. Okay? Our, our culture just loves this. But before we start pointing the finger even just at our culture, how are you doing with this? How are we doing with this? You see, something I've been realizing over the last couple years is that I am like way more opinionated than I thought I was. And you're like, you guys are like, hello, Matt. You're just realizing that now? I should have, man, I should have told you that a long time. But I'm realizing that more. And I'm just at like, have had out-of-body moments where it's like, oh, wow. I just, man, I, am, I just need to be quiet and keep my opinion to myself. I'm just, just sharing this like it's matter of fact, my convictions on things that don't really matter. And it's like, okay, man, you just need to chill out a little bit. Um, the other day, twice before 9 a.m., with groups of other people, I, I just gave a strong opinion when no one was asking for it. And I don't think it was divisive, but I don't think it was helpful either. I'm battling daily to just filter my opinions. And my guess I'm not, is that I'm not alone in this room. But notice why Paul says not to quarrel here. He says it's useless. It literally doesn't benefit anyone. It doesn't benefit God. It doesn't benefit others. It doesn't benefit you. And he says, secondly, it leads to the ruin of those who listen. Okay, but how can it ruin other people? Well, have you ever had your day ruined by someone who's argumentative? Have you ever had your day ruined by someone who just loves to air their opinion? We all have. See, we we start to lose respect from other people and they start to tune you out and at worst, you hurt people inadvertently. This is why he says not to quarrel. Verse 16, he reiterates it, avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. So two more reasons not to quarrel. One, it beckons other people to join in. Quarreling produces quarreling, produces quarreling. And then it produces more godlessness. Fighting about Things that are debatable are not just useless, they're, it's ungodly because it takes the focus off God and it puts it squarely on you and your opinion. Now you might not even think of it that way. Most of the time we're not thinking of that. But when we're choosing to just have empty speech and just quarreling about things that are useless and are debatable and don't really matter, it's actually just taking the focus off God and putting it on us. Christians are not immune to this. In fact, sometimes we're the worst at it. And here's what we do. We cloak it sometimes by saying, I'm fighting for the truth. Well, the truth doesn't tell you definitively who to vote for. The truth doesn't tell you definitively whether to send your kids to homeschool. I guess you wouldn't send them. Keep them for homeschool, send them to public school, or send them to private school. The truth doesn't tell you definitively what music to accept or reject in your life, and I could just keep going. But let me say this. It's good to have strong convictions, but fighting about debatable things has done way more harm to the church than it's done good. And if Paul wasn't clear enough, he reiterates it a third and final time in verse 23 but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. Not quarrelsome. The fourth and last wall, 
is gentleness. Verses 24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This is talking about our approach. The approach of gentleness is what helps us simultaneously hold to sound teaching and not be quarrelsome. And we're called to do both simultaneously. Verse 15, it said, you need to correctly teach the word of truth. Verse 14, he said, you need to reject foolish and ignorant disputes. How do you do both? With an approach of gentleness. You can be bold and you can be self-controlled. How? With a gentle approach. We're gentle even with our opponents, it says in verse 25. Even when you're setting your opponents straight, you can do it in a way that is humble, that is gentle. Now, one of my heroes of the faith who passed away recently, Tim Keller, did a video series for his book, The Reason for God, which is a fantastic book, great apologetics book, The Reason for God. But he did a video series, and usually when people do video series about their book, about their teaching, It'll just be them talking about their book more. But he was bold enough that he brought in a panel of unbelievers. Okay, people from all different faiths and beliefs. And he allowed any and every question to be asked. And it wasn't scripted, anything like that. They just come in and they have a dialogue. And then he took the time to respectfully listen to them and then respectfully explain his beliefs on biblical Christianity. It's incredible. The first one is available free on YouTube if you want to check it out later. But who does that anymore? Who does that well anymore? Well, we should. And we can. The end of verse 25 says that a gentle approach may even win some over to Christ. See, people expect you to, to scream at them. People expect you to be disrespectful. You want to really win them over and show them Christ? Be gentle in your approach. Let me just add this as well. Our culture, by and large, has a view of Christians that are up on their soapbox condemning people and screaming at them. What if we change that narrative in people's minds? What if we just reversed that? Because that's what Scripture calls us to. Fruit of the Spirit. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. That's nothing like people, people have in their minds of what Christians are right now. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. What if we were marked by that even when we were standing strong for the truth? Now, something super important to note here that one of our elders, Dave Niebel, pointed out that I thought was really insightful, that in our passion for the truth, we can easily and unknowingly become quarrelsome, especially when we start to get passionate about rock-solid truths in the Scripture. But remember this. The truth about God's design for sex and gender is just as much true as the call in 2 Timothy 2 to be gentle or the call to say and hold to the fact that the Bible is the inerrant reliable, 
trustworthy word of God is just as important as the call to be gentle, humble in this scripture. We need both. So be very careful that your passion doesn't come across as fighting. Our ability to be gentle like Tim Keller will shape the effectiveness of the church for years and decades to come. I really believe that. Being gentle, end of verse 25, is actually what will help people escape the devil's lies. See, the devil, the devil says, you know what? Take it easy. Take it easy. God doesn't want you, so why even try? Diligence, don't worry about it. It doesn't even matter. The devil says, hey, don't worry too much about what you're teaching and being taught. Just, just don't listen to atheists and you'll be all right. The devil says, just say your opinion. Just say it loud and proud anytime you want. A little fighting and quarreling maybe even will do you some good. The devil says, hey, don't, don't worry about how you come across to others. It's not your fault everyone's so sensitive these days. But God says, you want to be a special instrument set apart, useful to me? You want to be used by me mightily? Then find your security in me. And let that propel you to pursue purity. And your diligence will make a difference for eternity. Your sound teaching can make a difference for eternity. Your lack of quarreling can make a difference for eternity. And your gentleness can make a difference for eternity. See, we're in a spiritual battle. And your pursuit of holiness and purity will affect other people's eternity. That's what that last verse says. So let your security in Christ propel you into an all-out pursuit of purity in the power of the Holy Spirit. Choosing to do so or not will have effects that will ring through eternity. People could come to know Christ or not because of how you live for him. So let's be incredible examples of Christ that are pursuing holiness and purity, that are diligently Going after God. Not using the cross of Jesus Christ to go, well, whatever, I'll just live however, it doesn't matter. No, not trampling on the grace of God, but cherishing the grace of God. And letting that propel us to greater and greater heights and depths of purity and holiness in our lives. That people would look at our lives and go, yeah, they're not perfect, but man, there's something different about them. There's something different about her. There's something different about him. And I want that. Let's live like Christ, with the foundation of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the security we have in you that drives our pursuit of purity and holiness. And I pray, Jesus, that you would just change us, Lord, from the inside out. That we would have hearts, minds that desire you, that desire purity, Jesus. Lord, forgive us. I'm sure this week, I'm sure even recently, Lord, we, we have just fallen so short of your glory and of your standards. 
So forgive us. I pray that you would make us more gentle, more kind, less quarrelsome, and more diligent. Lord, I just, I thank you for each person here. I pray that they would know the heights and the depth of your love for them, and that is what would fuel them each day to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you guys stand and we can respond and worship?